Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Presbyterian Senior Living CEO, Dan Davis. The Dillsburg, Pennsylvania-based company operates 14 communities in four states, with one community currently under development. After being selected as CEO of Presbyterian Senior Living in September, longtime executive Dan Davis says the company is laser-focused on shoring up existing communities while diversifying its revenue opportunities and solving key labor hurdles. Our focus is going to be really growing where we are at this point. This episode was brought to you by the SHN Architecture and Design Awards, an annual competition recognizing cutting-edge design and excellence. Visit Senior Housing News in December to see this year's winners. Now, here's my interview with Dan Davis, CEO of Presbyterian Senior Living. Well, Dan, thanks for joining me today. Certainly, my pleasure. First, if you could give our listeners maybe a rundown of Presbyterian Senior Living's portfolio in terms of total communities, the states of operation that you guys are in, and any new communities under development. Sure, absolutely. We actually operate in four states, uh, primarily in Pennsylvania. Uh, We have 11 life plan communities, one in uh, Glenarm, Maryland, one in Dover, Delaware, the remainder in Pennsylvania. We have a small personal care home in Williamsport. Uh, We also have a market rate rental community in Lancaster that offers independent living as well as assisted living, and then one small independent living community in St. Clairsville, Ohio. Uh, At present, we are currently developing a 172-bed market rate rental apartment building and a development just uh, north of Harrisburg in Linglestown. Great to hear. That sounds like you guys are pretty active. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're excited about this new one. This will be a a truly a a new product for us that are trying to reach that more of that middle market. I know that's one of the big challenges uh, in the last few years that has come up of really how to bridge that gap from affordable to luxury. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting to hear. And now we'd just love to talk about your transition. We know you recently transitioned to the role of CEO. Would love to just check in there since we last connected. How's it all going? Sure. I think it's going great. I've had the opportunity over the past couple of weeks to meet with each of our independent living resident association executive committees plan for the future, talk to them, talk about resident engagement, how we can be transparent with each other and and truly develop those bonds of trust. Also, having worked for 21 years uh, at Presbyterian Senior Living, having that connection with Jim Bernardo, our outgoing CEO, as well as Steve Proctor, who was the prior previous CEO, really has given me an opportunity to work with a couple of uh, great people uh, in the industry that have uh, given me a lot of insight. In your role as CEO, are there any new priorities or a shift in company philosophy that you'd like to implement? Would love to kind of get a, a mindset view of how you're really looking at this new role and, and what you see going forward. Sure. So the, uh, our focus is going to be really growing where we are at this point. We have, uh, fortunately, we have some land available to us at many of our communities looking to expand that independent living product within those communities. Uh, as well as taking a look at our current service offerings and seeing if there's opportunities for conversion of personal care to assisted living. And also, we are uh, we are launching a new home care agency, and we'll be doing that at the beginning of the year in conjunction with one of our communities in the local market, and then looking to expand that throughout the rest of our footprint. 
with that launch, do you want to maybe just give some insight on what that will look like and why you chose to make that that push and go in that direction? Sure. Over the last uh, about nine months, we we did a, a very thorough vetting process to determine how we wanted to enter the home and community-based service market. Now, we've done it a little bit here and there in the past, and uh, we really did a, a deep dive into the uh, metrics, uh, did a lot of analysis. And while we do believe there's going to be an ongoing market for life plan communities in the future because of the expansion of, of numbers of older adults, there is that push for that, you know, being served in your home. And as a mission provider, we want to be able to reach those people in every setting, whatever they call home, and be able to be of service to them. Just to follow up off of that, I think one of the things we are seeing recently is that a lot of operators are starting to view senior living residences as a person's home. Do you guys feel that way? Is that something in your line of thinking that obviously this is uh, where they're where they're living and could be for the rest of their lives? Do you view that a person's residence with PSL is their home? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've we've had that mindset for years. Uh, you know, Presbyterian Senior Living is is coming up on ninety five years of operation and. Uh, we started in in what was called at that time home like homes, so we have uh, we've truly had that philosophy, and and look to be able to serve residents wherever they call home, and that's that's in our literature and really our our heart. That's great to hear. I know in September when your appointment was announced, you had mentioned some short term goals that were aimed at continuing to recoup occupancy gains and stabilize labor costs. Since then, how, how has that gone? Any update there? Yeah, we actually have, uh, we've improved our occupancies in our skilled nursing facilities to uh, actually to budget, which is really very nice. Uh, we've, we've been kind of stagnant in the uh, PCAL market. Uh, we're really um, starting to see uh, significant interest in independent living improvement in the occupancies there. Is there anything within your stabilized portfolio that you could give us maybe a figure or a specific percentage of where you're at occupancy-wise? Yeah, our, our health center occupancy now is pushing about 92%. While we, we look at, at our, our ALPC occupancy as low, it's probably average, but it's much lower than what it has been for us. It's somewhere in the mid-80s. And our, our skilled nursing occupancies are, are up in the upper 80s, around 90% at this point. And we know, obviously, this year has been a battle for a lot of operators in terms of figuring out labor costs and figuring out that big challenge of solving the labor puzzle. So just mm. in your mind, are there any things that have gone well this year in terms of either recruitment or hiring that you would like to discuss just related to the labor challenge? Because we're starting to also hear that things might slightly beginning to soften. I, I do believe they are starting to soften. I was uh, just at a meeting at one of our communities the other day, and they had 17 vacancies for employment, and uh, they had 14 people starting next week. So that gave me some hope that we're starting to see some improvement there. However, uh, we do continue to experience uh, pretty high rates of nursing agency, and uh, we were making some strides in some markets. But at this point in time, um, as I'm sure you're aware, the supply of nurses uh, in the nation for the vacant positions that are there, just they don't match up. And with that, we are we are looking to try to have programs that allow our current leadership to expand their their knowledge and their degrees and 
uh, as well as offering nursing scholarships to existing staff. And wrapping up, discussing about 2022, how would you characterize the year in terms of operations? Average, uh, you know, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm glad I can say average. We have done, our, our staff has worked incredibly hard over the past year uh, looking at ways to improve both our employment offering as well as our service offering uh, with at many times operating at, at staffing levels that were below budget. And with that, they've done a, a fantastic job and uh, we're starting to see improvements month over month and heading into 2023. I think we're, we're really poised to have a, a, a good, stable, solid year next year. What are some key strategic goals you'd like to start on or accomplish in the year ahead, looking at the next 12 months? Yeah, so we, we are planning a couple of independent living expansions at current communities. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the launch of the home care agency is going to be a big one for us in the coming year. And we are looking at the opportunity to invest in or vertically integrate other service lines that uh, we currently contract for. Last year, we actually bought a therapy company, uh, Benchmark Therapies, uh, which was our first foray into really diversifying our revenue streams. That has been a very positive step for us, and uh, we see very similar opportunities with other lines of business as well. This just came to my mind uh, from our conference earlier this week in Chicago. Some themes that came up were the addition of behavioral health services. Is that on your radar at all, just in terms of what that could look like in terms of expanding care offerings? Yeah, we, we actually, uh, in meeting with our program and services committee of the board uh, this past week and talking to our chair, mental health services is clearly something on our radar that our uh, program and services committee is going to take up the first part of uh, 2023, uh, not only from a, a resident perspective, but also from a staff perspective as well. I'm sure you've You've seen and heard of the burnout that is going on in the healthcare industry, and we need to find ways to help people not get to that point. And while we do offer um, EAP programs and uh, and we've brought in special counseling during the pandemic, we do believe that there is more we should be doing to try to improve our employees' health and wellness. Are there any big or long-term goals you have in mind for the company in the next few years that you'd like to share with us, just looking ahead at the future of PSL? Yeah, so we will, we will truly be focused on the, the improvement and I'll, I'll say the overall organizational health of PSL. So when we look at that and think about organizational health, it comes down to really three areas and there, it's not rocket science. It's uh, you know, making sure that you have a good customer engagement, that you've got that service excellence piece, that um, we are the premier employer in the markets in which we operate, and that we are financially healthy. We've got a good, stable base, able to meet the needs of the organization now and positioned to meet it um, well into the future. So that's kind of a broad base as we look at that. And our leadership right now is in the process of developing their goals for the coming year, their individual goals in support of those of those themes. And off of that, where do you see the future of senior living in general, maybe the industry being headed over the next few years? Yeah, I, I see a very bright future. We, you know, there are with the coming of the baby boomers and, and the increasing ages of uh, older adults, we are going to see a greater demand. Now that demand may be different um, or expanded 
uh, not just in our life plan communities, as I mentioned, uh, our home care agency that we're looking at launching. But one of the things that is going to play a key role is going to be technology. And we have been um, investing in technology in the past couple of years pretty heavily, bringing on some staff members to take a look at that and ways in which we are able to make that technology easy for consumers to use and offer that to them, whether it be in our community, in conjunction with our home care agency, or maybe as just a separate offering for folks that, that maybe just want that technology piece that we've been able to, I'll say, repackage into something that is easy for consumers to use. I know we touched on the labor challenge as something that is obviously a barrier to improving margins and just issues in general, but what challenges do you see on the horizon for PSL and more broadly the industry as a whole? So I do believe that you know, they're coming out of the pandemic. We've got to reestablish ourselves as the experts. We've been the experts for years. We, we know the continuum of care, the continuum of service. We help people to be able to age in place. We help them to be able to get the services that they need. So I think focusing on those areas and finding ways in which we are able to truly assist, assist our customers in being living where they want to live, living in a manner in which they want to live, and being extremely happy uh, with where they are in their lives. And off of that, let's look at the silver lining, if you will. What opportunities do you see ahead for your organization and also maybe more broadly, the senior living industry in general? Yeah, so the I, I see us moving into the future, looking at how we engage with our customer. We're taking a, a huge effort uh, right now um, and heading into the new year of engaging with the customers and finding out where they want to be. And when we look at the future of, of where that may head, you know, again, for us, we're looking at middle market and we are also focused on affordable housing. I mean, both of those things from a, from a mission perspective and from a service perspective are very key to uh, continuing to have a, a vibrant organization that's meeting people where they, where they want to be. And affordable housing is going to continue to be difficult with the rising construction costs and gaps in funding. And so we need to, we need to work with, for, with corporations that, that have some type of ESG program, uh, looking at their social component, matching up mission, uh, their mission with what our mission is, and finding ways to help those corporations do what they'd like to do and also meet the needs of where we want to go as an organization. I'd love to ask about that middle market and affordability focus. In your mind, why is that something that's so important for your organization just going forward? Well, it's, it's strictly called out in our strategic plan that we will serve people throughout the economic spectrum. And it's, it's something that Presbyterian Senior Living has done historically. Uh, we have never asked a person to leave one of our communities because they've run out of assets. We keep people for life. And uh, that mission component is something that all of our leadership and our staff share as to what we can do, no matter what a person's circumstance, what can we do to make their lives better? And I think that mention of ESG is something that is also really interesting because I think a lot of operators are struggling to figure out what that looks like. 
within their organization and within their day-to-day. So to you, what does integrating ESG or partnering with firms that are aligned with ESG principles, uh, what does that look like for, for you? In our affordable housing corporation, uh, we've begun to talk about identifying those corporations that have that, as I mentioned earlier, that similar mission, those components that say, you know, they want to help with housing. They want to help if they're, if they're, if their corporation says we really want to focus on housing, then there's a match there for us. And we can go in and begin to talk about what that looks like with them and how they are able to contribute to that particular mission. And shifting to talking about development, I think I would love to know more. I know you guys are obviously pretty active right now and making some expansions and looking ahead to next year. But uh, why did you choose to move ahead with development in such a, a tight time right now for construction with costs being so high, being what they were. would love to hear kind of the insight. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of confidence behind what's next for, mm-hmm. for your organization. So we'd love to know more about that development component. Yeah, we, we actually partnered with a general contractor to do the new development that we're doing in Linglestown. Uh, so by engaging the general contractor as a partner within that, there is a, a concerted effort and focus to maintain costs. And so both it's a win-win for both of us. They obviously get to uh, develop a multi-million dollar building, uh, but they also have an ownership stake. So the way in which they develop that, the way in which they construct it, gives them that ownership long term. And with us, obviously, our, our ownership of that and the operation of it, because we have a partner, we get a little bit more focus as well. So that's that's one of the ways we did. We actually did a, a bond financing prior to rates uh, starting to, to plummet and uh, the market plummeting. So we were able to get some some money pretty inexpensively or we have that to be able to use for these new projects. And maybe going forward, do you think that those types of partnerships is what it might take for developments to get off the ground in the future, just given all these challenges related on the development side? Well, for us, it, it, it looks like a model for us. It's, it's something that we anticipate replicating. You know, and as I mentioned earlier about vertically integrating, I mean, this is one of those pieces where we're able to partner with someone to do the same business that we're doing, uh, which takes some of the capital burden off of us, but also allows us then to really do what we, what we do as a business. And that is take take and provide service and and care and services to older adults. And I know you touched on some strategic goals here for the future, but in 2023, we'd love to see what you view as laying before you. So what do you see ahead for PSL in 2023? Yeah, so we're going to be focusing uh, on workforce uh, in the coming year. In addition to the things we've already discussed, We're, we're looking at developing new and more flexible benefit plans everything that we can do to make our employment experience better than what it is down the street. You know, you can drive down the road and you can see uh, now hiring signs litter the road. And so why does somebody want to come work for you? Not only from a benefit perspective, but from a culture perspective. We launched a culture and values work group last year that's being led by our vice president of sales and marketing. And she has been uh, led a tremendous group and brought about a, a program where we've uh, we've had people volunteer to become culture champions at our communities to really ingrain 
the the values and and the respect and the integrity of the organization within our our workforce so that they feel like they belong and after all both from a, a resident perspective a customer perspective and and from a an employee perspective people want to work and live where they feel they belong definitely and I would be uh, remiss if I didn't ask about this since we've touched on a few future-looking questions. So in your mind, how are you looking to attract the senior living customer of tomorrow? Obviously, everyone recently is talking about the impending influx of the baby boomer generation, but would love to know more just about how you're looking to position your organization going forward to attract to the next generation of senior living customers. Yeah, so we're, we're really looking at data. How do we obtain the necessary data? How do we use it? How do we analyze it? Uh, we're, we're investing in software that is going to provide us with the opportunity to mine that data and look and see where preferences are going. We do focus groups uh, now and again. The way we reach people today is digitally. The days of uh, putting ads in the newspapers and you know, sending out cards and so forth you know, that, that, is, that is very labor intensive and we can reach so many more people easily through a digital platform. And I think harnessing that digital power, I think, gives organizations a lot of, it kind of widens the battlefield, if you will, kind of gives more scope for the total number of people you can reach and how quickly you can reach them. So do you think that that really accelerated in the last two years, obviously with kind of the onset of uh, digital marketing just within senior living, obviously because of some of the COVID guidelines that were in place early on. Would love to know more just about your thoughts on on the digital marketing side of, of senior living. Well, it, def- it definitely did for us. Uh, and I, I do believe that I have seen that become more of a focus uh, from some of my colleagues that I've talked to as well. So the expanding into that digital platform allowed us coming out of COVID really to have a, a bank so to speak, of data, of information, of, of people uh, to begin to um, contact and talk to about becoming a resident of one of our communities or becoming a customer of ours within the therapy department and continuing to um, and, and looking at how we reach those folks. The initial digital contact has got to then turn into a personal contact. How do our sales folks engage with, with people once they've got that contact and that that kind of continual development of relationship so that when that person is ready, because they're not they're not always ready when they first contact us. It, it takes a while. But when they're ready, if you've developed that relationship, they're coming to you. And Dan, this is my last question here. Big picture and something I like to, to wrap up on. If you could change one thing about the senior living industry with a wave of a magic wand, what would that be and why? would be workforce. I would wave the magic wand and have enough people to fill all of our positions because what we do is people intensive. It's relationships. And our residents need to be, uh, need to have happy employees. So happy employees turn into happy residents. And so I would have to say it's workforce for sure. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you taking time to be on the SHN Transform podcast. Thank you very much and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks. That does it for this episode of Transform. I'm Austin Montgomery for Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening. 